Hello and welcome to the Image Doctors Photography Podcast. I'm Jason O'Dell. And I'm Rick Walker. And we are back again with more fun things to talk about this week in the world of photography. Um, lots of new products got announced this week, both hardware, software. Um, so that we'll, we'll touch on those. Um, we actually did a little night photography shoot over the weekend. That was oh, fun. Yeah. Forgot about yeah. that. Um, trying out some some features um, with uh, the uh, OM system cameras for night photography. We can maybe just mention that a little bit. And then our main topic will be using your camera on a cruise vacation. Mm -hmm. Which we've both done many times. And we're going to kind of take your very recent uh, cruise that you did to Alaska as, as the focal point and talk a fun. little bit about that. But the important thing is for our supporters um, who can see the bonus episodes and stuff, we'll also be able to see an extended version of it where we actually go through some of the images from your trip and talk yep. in a little bit more detail. So, so we'll have a bonus video. So that'll be fun. Mm -hmm. And... Um, isn't there a new article for our sponsors as well? Yes. Or you're working on one? Yes. So there is a new new article out on the Image Doctors blog, and that would be imagedoctorsphoto.com. So if you're a subscriber to that, you can get a new article. You want to tell us what that is? Yeah, it's on uh, sharpening Fuji X trans images in Lightroom. So, yeah, a little bit geeky. But it's but it's um, true. It's different. <laughs> there are nuances there, and um, Lightroom isn't the very best tool with Fuji files if you just use it normally, or how you think you would use it. But there's mm -hmm. some tricks that you can do right. that aren't hard that don't even necessarily involve buying other pieces of software that can make it tremendously better. So that's and, what's about. So, yeah, and if you're if you're confused on what the heck we're talking about, it's that Fuji's uses for many of their cameras the x-trans sensor which is not a bayer sensor so demosaicing it is different and a lot of companies have struggled to get good results with fuji files i mean lightroom's a lot better than it used to be it used to be pretty pretty challenging a long time ago um but it's gotten better and there's some tricks that you have learned since um it's just I don't, I mean, most of the software is written for Bayer sensors because that's what most cameras have. And and I don't know if there's a, be, a best product or not. But anyway, it'll be good to know because one thing I do know is that if you use multiple cameras, multiple systems potentially, it's nice to have a unified software editing Absolutely. tool. Absolutely. You know, and that could be because you're using, you know, for me, for a long time, it was just, well, I have files from, different brands because maybe they were my infrared camera or whatever and so not having to do different workflows with different software tools for different cameras makes it really nice and that's where some of these other you know these products whether it's adobe or capture one or whatever you know can can come in really yeah. handy okay yeah. so take a look at that imagedoctorsphoto.com if you're not a sponsor you can sign up there to help support this podcast um, and we appreciate it um, okay, so a couple of things that came out. Um, big camera from Fuji. Speaking of Fuji, yeah, yeah they so announced an, an update to their GFX 100 camera, right? Yeah, and, and depending on how you look at it, it could be an update to the GFX 100 
It could also be an update to the GFX 100S. And but it's the 100, you know, was a had a form factor that was like a Z9, so a built-in vertical grip, meaning it was a big camera. And, and to be clear, this is Fuji's medium format yeah. system. So we're Not talking their APS-C. Yeah, and these are 102 megapixel cameras. Ooh, big. Yeah, yeah, big. And then they had the um, smaller GFX 100S, which did not have the built-in vertical grip, and it wasn't even an option. And that's the one I've been using for several years. And great camera, um, nice size. Um, what Fuji did was they made several improvements to it, really nice ones. They did not increase the resolution, but it does have a new sensor that has a readout that's about twice as fast. So that's okay. nice for using electronic shutter. It's got a radically better uh, electronic viewfinder or EVF. It's got one of those nine point whatever um, megapixel or megadot, I can never remember, um, EVFs, kind of like an alpha one. Mm -hmm. So extraordinarily high resolution coupled with a really big image. Um, you know, most of the cameras out there have stuff that's in between um, 60 and 80% or so. The Alpha 1 goes up to 90%, which is pretty high. This is 100%. Wow. Or 1.0 magnification. So it's going to be a really big image that you see that's very, very detailed. And then they threw in all the subject detection stuff that they've added to their other cameras recently and um, it's got an option for vertical grip if you do want that at times i hardly ever use that kind of feature but probably not your sports option. camera per se no but you could use it for no i mean the this is focus is supposed to be much much faster that's always good as well faster frame rates which is never bad much much larger buffers um, just a whole bunch of upgrades it looks like a very nice camera very the, nice the <laughs> that they also introduced some tilt shift lenses to go with it, right? Yeah, they, they introduced two tilt shift lenses. And given the slightly reduced depth of field you find with medium format, that can be a good thing if you're willing to carry those things around. And basically, they came out with a 30 and 110 millimeter um, set of tilt shift lenses. So that's kind of like a 24 and 85 equivalent with the longer one being a macro lens. So you can tilt it. So you get, mm -hmm. you know, the more of a flower in focus or something in a studio, whatever. And then they also came out with a 55 1.7 lens, which is, you know, like a mid forties equivalent on full frame lens. So obviously faster, normal kind of lens mm -hmm. that they didn't have before. Looks nice. And so some good upgrades. Yeah. Now this is this is not for the weak of pocketbook or or the physical. You know th God, these are much no. larger rigs. Um, so this yeah. this is really targeted towards serious, typically serious like studio professionals, possibly landscape because you know the the you know we talk about how big full frame you know thirty five millimeter lenses have gotten over time. You know they've gotten. Some of them are bigger, some of them are smaller, but these are much, much, much these larger. These are big. These yeah. are big. The so mount this... is huge. You know, when you change a lens, it's like your hand goes, you know, 
barely around the yeah. lens at all. Yeah. Well, I, I, it, it's funny too, because I had a, I have a great client of mine came on a workshop years ago with a phase one system mm-hmm. um, because he could, because he had it for, he does a lot of certain kinds of studio photography that, that are, it, it's useful for his pack was 35 pounds, Oof. you know, to go out to now he did it because we were going to, he drove and we were in a car, you know, it was, it worked. We, we weren't going through airports, you know, so it was okay. But boy, that wasn't, it was a rig. Yeah. The Fuji medium format stuff isn't light, but it's much lighter than the alternatives and you can do pretty decently. You know, it's, you're in the realm of DSLRs in the past. That's you know, cool. pretty, and, pretty easily. And, you know, not only do you get that crazy resolution, but the dynamic range on these things is insane. I mean, it's truly yeah. amazing what you can do. It's like you can shoot into the sun and just have one exposure. It's- they are fun to use. They produce really nice results, but there's no way in the world I'm going to recommend them for most people. Yeah, it's a, it's a niche thing. Now, another mm-hmm. camera came out, too, was an update to the Panasonic G9, the G9 II or Mark II, mm-hmm. whatever it was called. Um, oh, we have to talk about one thing. Oh, yes. Oh, Fuji. yes. So yes. formally, the name of the new camera is the GFX. And I'm not kidding, okay? <laughs> We're not making this up. Folks. We're not making this up. Formally, <laughs> the name is the Fujifilm GFX 100, the second. Okay. Not the Mark II, but the second. Yes. I think that okay. is the most idiotic name for a camera I've ever heard. So I refuse to call it that. I will call it the Mark II. That All you lords, lords and ladies can, can use the uh, <sighs> Ooh, Winthrop who G. I thought that was good. <laughs> anyway, let's go back to the But G9. let's talk about that G9 real quick. Um, yeah. It, it's an upgrade to, uh, and in Panasonic's are micro four thirds cameras. So this. They have this four camera, frames too. This one um, is a. And this micro is a micro four-thirds. four-thirds one. Um, and uh, similar form factor to what you might see in something like the Nikon Z7s or the Olympus OM-1, you know, the decent size grip, uh, micro four-thirds, 25 megapixels, which on that small of a sensor is some darn good resolution. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's like if you were to scale that up, it would be something crazy and <laughs> You know, the pixel density wise. So that's cool that they've got that. Um, what were the other features that they, they added? They improved the autofocus, right? It's got subject detection types of things, right? It Is does. And and one thing Panasonic did not have in their micro four thirds cameras until this point was phase detect oh, that's autofocus, right. yes. which everyone else has had for years. So this will make and, still photography much Yeah, they much had a snappier. different technology that was... Eh, Okay. Not terrible, but not great. So um, the new version of the G9 has real phase detect autofocus. And presumably and, this would use all the micro four thirds lenses, whether mm-hmm. they came from Panasonic or say Olympus or even third yeah. parties, right? Okay. Yeah. Now that's always good. Um, it's essentially the Panasonic equivalent of an OM-1 uh, in terms mm-hmm. of, you know, the rough price the rough feature set etc personally i think the own one still kind of um, edges it out a little bit but not a huge amount and if someone is already uh, using panasonic stuff and has panasonic lenses even though you can switch them between olympus they zoom in different directions Mm -hmm. and stuff like that so i would stay say stay in the ecosystem 
Right. I mean, it looks like a very nice camera. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit bigger and heavier than an OM-1. And strangely, it's it's identical in size to one of their newer full-frame ca- cameras, the S5 Mark II. I mean, it wow. is absolutely identical. That's that's in interesting. Size. That's that's really it looks interesting. like the same camera. Yeah, yeah. You sent me a picture of it. That was pretty, yeah, pretty interesting. It's one one nice thing though, um, mm-hmm. and just as a editorial aside, that you you mentioned this um, earlier this week when this got announced, but it's that it does bode well for the four thirds system to see Panasonic putting in another camera. Um, you know, if if there was concern. And there were some concerns legitimately a few years ago with the sale of Olympus. You know, I, I think we can put a lot of that to bed now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, I mean, there's anything can happen, of course, but, you know, Panasonic just brought out another four thirds camera. Olympus has the OM1 and OM5 plus some new lenses that they've announced. So it seems like things are okay there now in that four thirds arena. Um, yeah and you know and there are a lot of lenses for those systems so that's you know it's nice to have options like that yeah one one final thing i'll just say about uh, panasonics in general including this uh, new one they they have a very good feature set for video Mm -hmm. so if if you're strongly into video that could be something that tilts you a little bit more toward the the G9 two and away from the OM one. Mm-hmm. They're they're very good with video. That's cool. It, yeah, you well, have to be really into it to. Yeah, it's not my jam, but I no, I know no, there no. are people who love it, and that's that's it, you know those are good options, especially with things like the stabilization systems in these cameras. It's really great. Yeah, for handheld video. Yeah, okay. that was another area where they stepped up their technology too. Nice. Okay, so um, the last one, just a quick mention, because we haven't really gone through the, we'll, we'll spend a different episode talking about the features, but uh, Photoshop, uh, Adobe got updated yesterday or just the other day, earlier this week uh, to, I think, version 25, go figure. Mm-hmm. It makes me feel old because I had it, I had at least a version of 2.5 and I may have had versions that were earlier than that at one <laughs> point in college. But anyway, Photoshop 25, what they have done now is they've brought, you may have heard of these generative AI fill tools because there's been a lot of uh, chatter about those um, over the, the last couple of months. Um, and we'll talk about those in another episode, but those features have now made it out of the beta version of Photoshop and into this production. So what what do they allow you to do? Most people talk about, you know, you can lasso an area and say, add space aliens or something, you know, <laughs> add things to your images. Mm-hmm. You and I don't really do that. No, um, not so much. What I have it will do that, though. I've, but... I've played with the beta <laughs> enough to say that for some things, this generative, if you just use it as a, a way to remove unwanted objects, think of it as content-aware fill on steroids it does some amazing doesn't work perfectly all the time but when i've used it it's done things with images that i could never get generate uh content aware fill to work with you know removing objects in front of buildings and things like all of a sudden it just looks like it was it was never there to begin with It, it doesn't look strange and then they've also added it into the what they call i think generative expand basically it's 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 an improvement on a feature that adobe's had for a while this content aware crop 
right where you could use the crop tool not to crop in but to actually expand your image if you drag the crop tool outside of the image frame and then it fills in using ai and that can sometimes be quite cool too but we'll talk yeah. more about those features and how we may use them once we've had a little more of a chance to to play around with those but it's out there now so if you have the adobe creative cloud subscription with photoshop you might want to update yep all okay. right cruises they're fun i we uh i like i like them i started doing cruises uh <laughs> well I, I never had really been on a cruise i went on one once but it was just a long time ago and they're an interesting way to take a vacation um because and and you know putting on my travel advisor hat sometimes you know the the way you can talk about a cruise is you unpack one time and you can see a whole lot of places yeah you know, I, and so there's certain places that work really well for that somewhere you just want to check out and have a mindless vacation yeah and i resisted doing them for a long time mm -hmm. um i think i didn't do one until like 2009 or 10 somewhere around there and the reason was when i'm on a vacation i don't like sitting around mm -hmm. that's not me i'm not the person who sips a mai tai by the swimming pool I like getting out and seeing and doing things. Mm -hmm. I get bored in a hurry if I'm just sitting around. And my perception was that cruises involved a lot of sitting around. And that can be the case if you go on certain types, but there are lots of other types. And like you said, sometimes it's, it's just a great way to see a number of different places, not have to unpack your suitcase. And in some situations, you don't necessarily want to stay somewhere too long. Um, right. for a variety of reasons. Like, you know, on one cruise that I was on, we made a stop in Egypt, which was wonderful. But at that time, Tahrir Square was occupied with protesters. There was a an election coming up that had, where there were a lot of concerns, you know, so it wasn't the most stable period in time, but we had a fabulous time, just a couple quick days in Egypt. And then back on the ship, nice, safe, and right. And, and you know where your meals cool are going to come from because you've got all-inclusive food. That's usually quite good. Um, so it's a balance between local culture and mm -hmm. and convenience and safety. And you know, just you can decide, but they're they can be good. And I and I think you know most of the people. And and so to be fair, my recent cruise was actually a photo quote-unquote safari if you will mm -hmm. i mean i had a group of people who were clients who were wanting to do photography and we went to alaska and it's not going to be a photographic experience that you would get doing a hardcore photo safari you know you're not going out into the wilderness and doing all this stuff and you've got to pack a little conservatively because you have limited space and you're going on excursions with people who are not necessarily photographers. Now, there's ways to do stuff. You can book things privately, and there, there are options to do that. You don't have to go on excursions that are through the cruise line itself. In fact, some of my clients went up and saw bears, and you know they did other things on our on our off mm -hmm. days in some of the some of the ports. But we had a great time. We did whale watching. You know, we went out to the some of the glaciers. But there's a lot of photography that you can do on board the ship itself. And I don't mean necessarily the landscapes. I mean, obviously, when you're coming up on something like Hubbard Glacier or whatever, it's kind of no-brainer. 
Um, but on the Alaska cruise, you know, there was wildlife to be seen. We went up to Denali for a couple of nights. We had a, a, a land portion of this tour and we were shooting from the school bus like you might if you were going into Denali. So it wasn't really aligned with photography, but we did get lucky. We saw bears, we saw caribou, um, and I actually got a couple of reasonable shots with it, uh, you know, with, with my Olympus kit that I brought. I had that uh, 100 to 400, so pretty good reach out of the out of the bus windows. Yeah, if I had had that the last time I was at Denali, I would have been very, very happy. <laughs> yeah, so I actually brought a two-lens kit on this cruise. They both fit in my Billingham Hadley Pro bag. Mm-hmm. The 100, uh, no, the, yeah, the, I mentioned the 100 to 400. That was my telephoto zoom. And then the 12 to one, uh, 12 to 100 F4, which was my walkabout. And while it's not the smallest lens that you could have put on that OM1, boy, is it versatile. And it's very good. It's, it's an incredibly sharp lens. Yeah, it's certainly sharper, um, than the Nikon equivalent 24 to 200, which is the same. And, and it's faster. It's an F4 constant rather than a variable aperture lens. So very good, um, so there's lots of photography you can do on your quote unquote vacation, looking around the ships. A lot of these ships have art and decorations and all kinds of things uh, that you can find that make interesting photographic subjects. And, you know, things like shadows and patterns and colors. Um, I was doing long exposure, like swipe type things or blurred the waves off of the back of the ship and the, the wake. And I'll show some of these photos in our bonus episode for our sponsors. And they turned out very nicely too. Yeah. They're, surprising. They're pretty cool. Yeah. And, um, you know, and walking around places like Juno or Ketchikan where we were just walking around, it was very liberating having a one lens kit. <laughs> you know, I could just right. carry, I didn't have a big camera bag. Um, I actually succumbed to your uh, advice, and I purchased one of those Wotencraft sling bags. Oh, yeah. Which is a very strong, it's just a little, you know, it's almost like a pouch. You know, it's like a pouch. It's not really a camera bag at all. But what was great about it is that if but I it needed, is. <laughs> yeah, if I needed to put the camera with the lens in there, I could, but it had enough other pockets in there that I could have my wallet or my credit card or a passport whatever it was some memory cards and i didn't need to be burdened with a big backpack or shoulder bag which can get tiring after a while and what's great about it is it flattens out quite yes. well yeah so oh i packed it just, in my luggage exactly it's just like a, a layer of clothing in your in your yeah. luggage so it was just in the bag when i was flying uh, because we actually flew to seattle and then flew to Anchorage, took the train from Anchorage up to Denali. And there are the, the one thing about a cruise you have to be aware, there are times when your luggage will not be in your possession, uh, including disembarkation, where you've got to put your bags out. So it's always good to have some kind of small day pack, something that you can put your, your toiletry kit in and a change of clothes. So when you're getting off the ship, you've given them all your other luggage so they can get it off the ship for you and return to you. Um, the other thing about cruises is that just about all of them require a passport um, because there's generally a, a stop in another country for tax purposes. <laughs> it has to do with there's some obscure laws on the book. So, for example, on this cruise, we, we actually disembarked in Vancouver 
and they bust us back down to Seattle to the airport to fly mm-hmm. home. But it was not a problem. Um, the uh, one one thing I was was going to add in terms of subjects is don't forget about the people who are with you too. Right. And those don't have to be cell phone photos. They could be, but they don't have to be. So well, a cruise is is really nice for a smaller kit. You know, mm-hmm. you were talking. This is not the one you would want to bring the GFX one hundred, the second, the Mark II. <laughs> right, exactly. No, I had to get my dig in there on, <laughs> on that one. Um, so, I, you know, there was a couple of different ways. You know, we had Shayla on the the show. She was on this trip, um, and she had her OM5, and her kit was three lenses, but still, you know, very small. She had the 12 to 45, and she had a 40, um, what is the 40 to 150, but it was a slower one. And that's a very inexpensive lens. I think you can get that lens used for about under $100. It's a little slower, but it's very lightweight. Um, She used it a lot. And then she also had the 100 to 400, so we were... And the by bus. the way, I did get a chance to look at her, her galleries from the trip and she got great shots. Yeah. She does a tremendous job. She's and, got a really good eye. Um, did, did some stuff with, with people photos. Um, so while I didn't bring any additional things I, I could have, but then you can, depending on the cruise, you can do it with just a phone. And I'll give you an example. Last year I went on a on a just a, a five uh a, no it was a seven night i think or maybe it was a five night but whatever it was it was a just a quickie one week thing out of galveston down into the western caribbean so down to cozumel you know place, mm-hmm. places like that and we had stopped in the yucatan and all i had was my phone and it was fine <laughs> for that because mm-hmm. it's waterproof <laughs> or, or relatively water resistant and uh it's great for people pictures. I could shoot in raw and it, w- and it worked. And same thing, you know, you talk about, you know, your um, experience with liking vacations, you know, going, seeing things. Mm-hmm. Well, well, I had opportunity last year to do the Queen Mary two, which was mm-hmm. transatlantic. So that's seven days at sea. It's not the second, huh? No, it's not. <laughs> Queen Mary. It is not Queen Mary the second. It's not Queen Mary Jr. either. Um, anyway, I was convinced I would be bored. And yet Cunard did an amazing job of having things to do on board. Now, that was one where, again, I just brought my phone. Lots of things on board the ship to take pictures of. You go to high tea in the, and you have mm-hmm. pictures of the food that you can do. And again, your phone is perfect for this. Um, mm-hmm. you know, Or honestly, on that, if I had had just something like the 12 to 45, lens it would have been fine or maybe even a couple little primes would have been a lot different kinds of kits you could go for that but i wasn't bored believe it or not they had all kinds of things you could do while you were on the because they kind of figure you're going to want to do something at seven days across the north atlantic so right you know it was it was surprisingly good actually um and it was a good experience to do too i just an interesting thing um but I think with the cruises, it's very easy to forget that there's subjects that can be had that are outside of your excursions. So I did photography with the excursions with a certain slant, you know, whale watching or mm-hmm. or the glacier. But it was very nice to have a lightweight kit that didn't burden me down. Because a lot of times when you do go on these excursions, you're on a bus and it may have a, it may be a coach, 
or it might be a school bus. You never know. And so they don't have a lot of space. So having a big camera bag is not always ideal because you're going to have to put it in your lap a lot of the time. So having something smaller is, is quite useful. That being said, I had clients with a range of kit. I had people shooting full frame Nikons. I had a Sony shooter. I had some Canon DSLR shooters that we had a nice, a nice mix. So, and everybody was happy. They got wonderful photographs. You just have to have a different, I think you have to have a different set of expectations. Right. And for people that want to get a few more details on that, if you haven't signed up on our Patreon page, do so. And please watch the bonus episode because we'll step through images. We'll talk a little bit more about the equipment you used and you know yeah. where it really worked well for certain subjects and you can kind of see the range of things that you photographed and like i said the images are very nice that yeah, was fun so please um, watch that okay yeah well it was it, there were some things about the system that i used that were that were kind of liberating and allowed me to indulge in some creative things that would have been a little bit trickier in the past with other yeah. other kids anyway right. if you want to go on a cruise drop me a line because i can help you pick one because we do some i do some travel assistance as well on my in my spare time where i work with my travel agent to put people on fun vacations so anyway don't don't shameless self-promotion yeah don't send it to me send me me a note and say i want to go on a cruise but you know it's a good vacation it's a good way Mm -hmm. and and you don't have to feel like you don't need to bring that you can't bring a camera i think that's the thing if you're thinking oh my gosh i want to do photography but this is the wrong thing Think again, because you actually can do quite a bit of photography on a cruise. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Until next time, that's all the time we have. So uh, I'll just say thanks again to all of our sponsors and happy shooting. All right. Bye-bye.